Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are, but I need to like do some stuff before we, <laughs> before we get there because I'm not ready to deal with that. Girl. Uh, so I have a few shout outs. Um, these are from people who recently reached out to us on um, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, Emma, I think it's Burning Veins. Um, James from Adelaide. Hello, you all. Hey, guys. We also, um, a few people from Twitter, uh, and there are more. I'm sorry, I don't have everybody, but um, this is uh, Tracy with an E from NC, who we've shouted out before, yes. but she said she felt like she was due for another one. So, hey, girl, Tracy with an E. <laughs> uh, and then I do have a, a quote I'm going to share from Little Gray Fish on Twitter, and I did ask her permission if I could, <laughs> if I could quote it. And she said, I totally agree with Ken about the Justin Cody scene was hot and completely understandable. Um, yes, <laughs> come yeah. through. But she said, Cody and Ethan are similar in a sense that, in her opinion, Justin isn't attracted to them per se, not their looks or personalities, but what they represent. And mm-hmm. I thought that's absolutely true. That's you correct. know, like 100%. Ethan was that like traditional ideal that he thought he wanted, and Cody was. That this, rebel, that, yeah, that this person who, mm-hmm. yeah, who's brave and strong in a way that I wasn't when I felt like I needed to be. Mm-hmm. So, totally um, understand that. So that is so dope. Thank you, thank you for letting us share that as well. Yeah, uh, and so one thing I'll say about Cody because this episode doesn't address him, and so we are going to address him <laughs> before we start this episode. I and I've been looking for the right time to bring it up, and now this episode is not it either. So maybe I just missed <laughs> the window, and we'll have to do it in a bonus episode, but. So when I was talking to Dale Shores, one of the writers in uh-huh. uh, Four Queers Folk, he was saying that the Pink Posse is kind of modeled after some other direct action groups, people that have done things in the queer community. For example, ACT UP, like that's the one he specifically right. referenced. Uh-huh. And then I thought about ACT UP because they have that pink triangle that we talked about. Uh-huh. They have that inverted pink triangle on right. their, one of their posters that they were using. And they were very motivated, very politically motivated and organized about getting some awareness for AIDS research and medication for the gay community. Oh, wow. I did a whole lot of work in a way that was very loud and very in your face. And one of the guys who, I have better notes on this somewhere, I didn't bring them, but one of the guys who started that, his name is uh, Larry Kramer. Mm -hmm. And so Cody is an amalgamation of several men with that mentality, but Larry Kramer is one of them. And he passed away a couple years ago he had that very much like fire personality right, where right. you few people loved him, most people hated him, but they listened to him. Exactly. And so I could totally like knowing that he's one of the people they designed you Cody can see around him yeah. through, through, um, mm-hmm. through Cody for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I could totally, totally see it. Anyway. Because yeah, you want to hate Cody. Like I said, like I understand what the Pink Posse stood for, like why the Pink Posse was important. I just didn't like all the messages that Cody was sending yeah. out with the Pink Well, because clearly Cody you know? was working out his personal stuff. Yeah. It, I like somebody said it somewhere on one of our social media things that he was using Justin as his weapon yes. to fire at the things that he wanted to fire. It's like, no, you use yeah. <laughs> Those are your Don't problems. Don't use Justin like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your now, issues. Now, Justin was allowing himself to be used, but we've already talked about why he yeah. was in that position. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I love when you come up with your little fun facts. That's always good to hear. I'm putting Y'all want each other to keep coming with the facts. Okay? <laughs> I'm putting my nerdiness to, to good use out here. Yeah. We love it. We love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can't keep messing around. We got to actually talk about 406. Yeah, so. about to dive in. Yeah, okay. Oh, cool. You don't have to sing no. at least on one track, girl. Oh, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, so. 
We start out at Kinetic at Brian's new office, and it's a launch party, and Brian's clients and employees and friends are all there to celebrate. I take back what I said. It does look good in there. It looks amazing it in there. It came together. No, he brought it I all the way. I still wouldn't eat from those fruit trays that are in the shower oh, area. Oh, absolutely. Did you but... see the top? You, you can see the top. You can see it was a gym. If you look at the, when they well, were standing, no, giving the, the toast. The, like, shower heads yeah, the shower heads there. there. And then but, you can see the towels in the back. Yeah, like, I don't the want no food up in there. No, but, but I all. might go work there, visit, know. you know? Yeah. But no, it looks amazing though. I'm I'm super proud. Yeah, it proud. looks great. And look at all these people milling about, like because people were gonna follow him because yeah. his talent made room for him in that industry. And so yeah, you know he's doing his thing. Like mm-hmm. they they trust him. They believe in him. I mean, he pulled himself up from the bootstraps. Yeah, literally. Like I mean, he is out here grinding and looking beautiful doing it. Yeah, yes he is. So Brian is walking around with Lindsay, and he gives her a check, and it's from the it's <laughs> concerns. From, yeah, the concerns is. And uh, he says they would like to thank the uh, concerned citizens for the truth. I'm sorry. He says they would like to thank the citizens of Liberty Avenue for their generous support. And Lindsay tells him it was a gift, meaning it wasn't a loan. You know, no Mm -hmm. one expected him to pay it back. And Brian says, well, you know me. I'd only blow it on booze and debauchery in the Armani Spring Collection. That part. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if I'm Justin, I'm like, no, wait now. Don't be giving away our little cushion coins. I want the Spring Collection because. Yes. It's like, you know, Brian, you might have enjoyed sitting on the floor at the loft and looking at the blank wall. But uh, I already did that at the shanties. That part. part, Okay. (laughs) Been there, done that. Okay. I'm over that. Uh, But we also know that what Brian is saying isn't true. Like, I think that he's wise with his money. Yeah. And he might blow some discretionary income, but I'm pretty sure he's going to work extra hard to make sure he's never broke like that. Right. And that was just him saying that is just a way where he can say, like, thank you guys. Like, I appreciate y'all came through me, came through for me. But thank you. Here you go. Take it back. Well, and it shows he believes in paying it forward. Like he returns the good that was shown to him and. I think, like you said, there's a part of him that doesn't want to be indebted to anybody. Yeah, no, no but, one. But also, he's contributing to the community that supported him when he needed it, is what, what he's doing. There. Correct. Now, what do you think Lindsay did with that check? Um, Lindsay, she <laughs> must go. Did that go into personal? No, it went to the personal. No, it went, personal. It went to the personal because <laughs> she's not divvying up nothing, yeah. okay? I bet she's planning a whole gallery. Nobody knows about that no check. No one. Okay, I'm surprised we didn't see her fold up and put it in the bosom. <laughs> like, let me go ahead and tuck this away. Yeah, I'll put this in a safe yeah, spot. Yeah, I'm going to hold this close to my heart. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we also find out that Melanie's case is closed. Jeanette got her son back. All unfair decisions were reversed. So that's great news. No, that's amazing news. I'm happy. And look, and they did it as a team. Yeah. Okay. It was, I mean, like you put your pride aside mm-hmm. and the focus on the main goal, which was, you know, getting the child in the right um, family where he needs to be. And look, you won. So yeah. that was excellent news. Yeah. She thanks Ted for, you know, the little word of advice that he gave her mm-hmm. accidentally. We also find out that Emmett has moved in with Debbie. And that's really just the best solution for both of their yep. loneliness problems. And I love that Justin has given Emmett some tips on sharing a roof with Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie's a little upset, though. She says that she'd rather fall into the toilet at 2 in the morning than put up with that ingrate she used to live with. I was like, ooh. Yeah, Debbie's still upset about that. I'm like, girl, let it go. Okay, L-I-G it. Let it go. (laughs) You got to, Elsa. (laughs) For real. Yeah, for real. Uh, Vic is trying to offer some support to Ben. He's sitting over there with Michael um, after hearing his book was rejected by the publisher. And um, Ben said, when it comes to the bottom line, there's no such thing as loyalty. And man, working in the corporate world has taught me that is so true. Girl, for real, for real. You know, we, you and I both know. Yeah. yeah. No such thing as loyalty. Uh, Michael tells him that he'll find another publisher, though he should probably consider addressing Michael's notes before he resubmits that. 
Facts. Okay, because he was he was in his feelings yes, when Michael got real with Deep him. Okay, in them. yeah, Boy, he was pouting. I mean, yeah. he was crazy with it. But I love this little scene because we get an update on what on everybody. What's yes. going on with everyone? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the focus the last couple episodes has been on the pink posse, and so now we get a good little check in, mm-hmm. a quick check in with everybody. Exactly. So Brian goes to make a speech, and he thanks his clients and employees and his friends for helping him launch Kinetic. And I love his little speech. He says, it hasn't been easy. They said the market was shrinking and that it's the wrong time to start a new agency. And he says, well, I say. Don't, don't believe, believe a fucking word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what it was. Don't believe a fucking word. I want to hit him with the Emmett, though. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah, Fuck him all. I know. I, that's what I thought he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> right. But in, especially in advertising. Yes, especially yeah. in advertising. Mm-hmm. Well, so he starts his speech by pulling Lindsay on, say, on this little makeshift stage or platform with him. And then he calls up. Cynthia and Justin Mm -hmm. and I think it's about what each one of them represents so Lindsay is representing the people who helped him when he was in a bind right when he was down down yeah that kind of gave him a little bit of the cushion that he needed to make it until he got to that point where he could open his agency and start having these big clients that are paying the bills and Cynthia is that rider you know like she ain't going nowhere she riding she's gonna be the ride or die for sure okay she she was sabotaged you know Vanguard so she can come (laughs) over here with you and then we know where Justin falls, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cynthia, she also represents all the employees yes. who, who have jumped into the fray with him, who have mm-hmm. committed to what Kinetic is trying to build. And she, like you said, she was the first one in line to yeah, do so. Yeah, first one. And, yeah. And then Justin represents something on his own entirely. But also he represents the family and friends who have always been there for Brian. Mm-hmm. And strength as well. Yeah, like yeah. Strength. Justin's very strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's, he's been a, that constant motivator for him. Even when he exactly. had his own stuff going on, like he was still constant source of motivation for him mm-hmm. yeah i love that he invites all of them up there because this is a brian who realizes he didn't get there on his own right like i think a season one brian would have been up there by himself yeah he would have <laughs> like, and i would like to thank me and for all i my wish efforts. i had five more hands so i could pat my own stuff on the back <laughs> yeah. okay but um we've seen like we said before each season we've seen growth through brian and the fact that he's acknowledging that it took a village to get him where he is now yeah. and i mean he sees it like he's he's very appreciative. And part of, of that growth is letting other people into his life, right. letting other people care about him and help him and support him. And yeah, that is a mm-hmm. big part of of his growth. It's not just what he does on his own. It's that I don't have to be on my own anymore. Like that, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very important. And I also like that he's truly free to be himself professionally at Kinetic. Like he can have his partner stand on stage with him and give him a big celebratory kiss and a hug in front of all of his clients. I was like, I didn't know. I was like, oh, my God, is this going to be bad? But I'm thinking, <laughs> how can it? You are the owner. Yeah. And <laughs> it's know? like, hey, you don't want my, me as your, right. your ad agency? Then bye. That part. Go but get yeah. some part work at Vanguard. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so. But yeah, it was really good seeing him, baby. To be able to actually show his authentic self and be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One client says that Brian has some um, gravitas. And <laughs> Debbie says, you don't know the half of them. Facts. Uh, okay. Then Brian starts the champagne flowing with a very suggestive method of opening a bottle. And so they've got Moet everywhere. Now, yes. I noticed that Ted is drinking just some sparkling water. So I was because when I re- originally looked at it, I was like, I know he's not drinking. Yeah. Like, that's going to be a trigger for you. Like, mm-hmm. I know you. But then I looked again. I was like, oh, thank God. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. So then the next day uh, or so, I guess, at the diner, Vic and Rodney are trying to get some service. But Debbie says she is too busy for that. Boy, she got an icebox where her heart used to be. Okay? <laughs> she, she is not playing at all with him. I mean, he's like, sis. <laughs> sis like, yeah she don't even see him in in the building no this is when he needed yep because i would wrote her ass a bad <laughs> review okay <laughs> yeah. you walked past me three times one star do not yeah. recommend <laughs> For real. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Michael comes rushing in looking for Justin, and he has an email from Brett Keller, a film director, and he says he's a big fan of Rage, and he wants to, wants to make it into a movie, and wants to just kind of float that possibility, which is great. Yo, that's so damn dope. Like, mm-hmm. that's fire. I mean, for both of them. Finally, they it's coming together, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they didn't... They didn't even know what they were going to do with the story. They were just doing it for fun because they need a representation of themselves Mm -hmm. out in the comic book world. And then it turns into something like this, you know, like, wow. I mean, it's it's just coming together. Even just the possibility and potential is Right. I mean, you're being recognized. You're Mm -hmm. being seen. If one person's seeing you, you know, millions are going to see you. Right. Yeah. Uh, Well, Debbie's bat-like hearing catches this and (laughs) she starts to hyperventilate. And she says she always knew Michael would be rich and famous. But... Why don't she always say y'all? I mean, it's always, Michael, this is you. Michael, yeah. I knew it. I know. Cause Justin's yeah. the artist, babe. Her true loyalty always comes out. You know, right. you always see which one she's rooting for. Yeah. And these last couple ones, the, the story's been coming out. I think they were Justin's idea. Right. Well, because you know? those, those panels that Ben, he wrote them and right. drew them. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, baby, you need to give Justin <laughs> sunshine, as you like to call him. Give him his credit. For real. Your son is Give him okay. his propers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Vic sees her hyperventilating, and he runs over to help her out, and Debbie is miraculously recovered now. (laughs) They tell Vic about the email, and um, with the power of positive thinking and manifestation, he wants to know when the premiere will be. And Debbie uh, <laughs> Debbie says Michael's taking his mother and that Vic can watch it. He can rent it from Blockbuster. <laughs> R.I.P. Blockbuster. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. R.I.P. to the Blockbuster. We I love, love you. Blockbuster. That blue and gold. We yeah. love you. Lots of fun nights spent there as a kid with my family. Yes. Um. Well, Michael wants to know when Debbie is going to let up on Vic. And she says it's not just about the dinner party. She thinks that he doesn't want her around anymore. Mm-hmm. And Michael says, well, you know, that's not true. He has his own life now, and that doesn't mean he loves you any less. And I think Michael had to learn that lesson when it comes to Brian. You know, so true. he can speak from experience. Now, there are times he forgets that he learned right. that lesson. But he's way better as well. Yeah. I mean, him having... Um, ben and Hunter is really what made the difference. Facts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like him having his own family to deal with and knowing how to, you know, give everybody the attention they need. Right, not needing somebody to take care of him, but being exactly. able to take care of someone else, yeah. yeah it, and in a healthier way. You it know, put things he in a different perspective yeah. for him, yeah. Well, Michael tells her, remember what you always told me, blood is thicker than marinara sauce. So, <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, uh, well, Rodney is there telling Vic there's nothing he can do except go on with his life. And I know that makes you side-eye, Rodney, Girl, but you better leave Rodney alone. Yeah, it made me side-eye. Like, I'm like, <laughs> boy... Okay, they've been beefing for two weeks. Okay, this is family. They, <laughs> the, the, come on now. Be like, just give her some time, you know? Like, you should go, you know, make it work. But he was like, nah, baby, it's time. You, you tried. <laughs> it, you tried it already. Like, move on. She well, don't want it. He did try. Yeah, he tried a few times, okay? He was just trying right here. A few times, okay? <laughs> a few. How My many thing times is, do you have to try? Girl, he lied. He said that she was going to be the first person he called. She, he never even called her, so that she is, just popped now this up. this is all very true. Yeah, so she just popped up, and when she popped up, he's so you know intertwined and in, in, in entertaining his guests. He doesn't even see her standing there, you yeah. know, at all. Like, and Rodney's looking surprised. Y'all look, y'all been <laughs> caught. Okay, your eyes shouldn't be that big. I still hold. Yes, he should have been like Honest. I'm having. Like we are set up for guests, but I'm not ready for you to come over yet. Right. We got a couple things we want to do first, and then I'm gonna have you over. So he should have been honest, but I totally think that he was allowed to have exactly. his own little his own little dinner party. But girl, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, like you said, yes, he should have been honest, should have been upfront. He could have told anything. But the fact that she found out 
through, you know, the wayside. It's right. not it's not the best rolling way. Rolling up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and also it's bad on her. You should have called. That's right. While you're doing a pop-up, you know? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I feel that he just should have said, hey, I'm sorry for what that played out, da, da, da. which I know he did, but I'm sorry for what that played out, but it said, I love you more than anything. It was not to hurt you, but I feel like he didn't do all of that. It was just like, Hey, I wanted you over. Like, no, I'm sorry. He tried to cover it up a little bit, you know? I, I don't know. He did. Okay. He said, well, oh, but I just she had wasn't this listening. Around. Like you said, he told her, hey, I'm sorry. I probably, uh, you know, I was doing this or whatever, got my own life. But she wasn't listening. Because, but, that, but that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens in family. Your feelings get hurt and you feel a little rejected. You feel a little maybe embarrassed because you walked in, didn't know this was going on. And, like yeah yeah they're living this life that i'm not a part of now mm -hmm. and they're they're looking at me like you know the guests are looking at me like what is she doing here right for real for real and i get it i get it too but let me just finish up on this because then we're gonna move on past rodney because you know mm, because i'm not gonna let you come for rodney i don't know (laughs) i don't know but i will say and then rodney's not even whispering like debbie's sitting two boots (laughs) over from you and she can hear the words you're saying i'm surprised she didn't get up over there and drop some coffee in your lap or something you know or slam something on the table because she is known to do something like that. yeah like i'm like oh rodney you better hush those lips baby you better hush those lips she ain't playing Well, over at the gallery where Lindsay works, Sydney Bloom is sitting with Lindsay and she's distracted by um, this newspaper article about a mural by um, Sam Auerbach is the artist. And she's always admired his work and she proposed that they do an exhibit of his work to complement the mural that he's doing at the Penn Plaza, wherever that is. And she thinks they should at least ask him because right. Sydney's like, nah, he ain't gonna go for that. Mm-hmm. But she's like, let's at least ask him. And she says her horoscope told her to take a chance. That's maybe what she's going to do. <laughs> uh, we see Justin at Kinetic, and he's telling Brian about the rage news. Uh, Cynthia is very excited. But Brian hears him, but he keeps talking to Cynthia about, about work. And Justin is like, did you hear me? Aren't you proud of me? I'm going to be rich. And <laughs> Brian thinks Justin can use that money to pay back the thousands he spent on Justin's aborted education. He's still a little, you know, a little salty about that, I think. Um, even though he understood why, mm-hmm. why Justin did it. But um, I think Justin's kind of like me. I go into overdrive when an idea pops into my head or a possibility pops into my head. Like, I've already planned it like 10 years down the road. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it. You know, yeah. I can definitely see it. Well, yeah, because he's already anticipating mm-hmm. the possibility of sequels. That part. Okay. And for the first movie, he envisions JT getting even with his bashers then going to Hollywood and becoming a star. A star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he proposes that they go to Babylon to tonight to celebrate. And Brian initially says, no, it's a school night. Uh, but before he leaves the office, Brian calls after young Spielberg and says <laughs> they can go get one drink. And I think like just he saw that Justin gave up pretty easily and walks out. And I think Brian doesn't want to crush him right. or not support him. And mm-hmm. so he's like, okay, we can go get one yeah, drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get the one drink. Yeah. But I love that Brian always keeps circling back to school. Like, you always need something to fall back on, some type of degree plan. You know, if you have the degree, you can probably maneuver in any direction, whatever you're going to be doing. So I love that he always pushing that back on him. Like, he's not forceful with it, but he's always throwing it up in the, in the conversation. So it's going to be in the back of your mind somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I think Brian can lean toward the cynical side of being a realist mm-hmm. at times. And he can be skeptical. He can be distrusting of things that sound too good to be true. But he, he's not always right. But I think he'd rather have no expectations and be surprised when something works out than be disappointed. In fact, Absolutely. You know, he's built his whole life. He, he had built his whole life around avoiding disappointment and rejection. Um, but I do think here Brian wants to keep Justin's expectations in check. Because Justin is just coming off some yeah. very heavy stuff emotionally mm-hmm. and psychologically. And so 
I think he wants to help Justin manage his expectations. And, um, you know, the storylines of Rage are very personal for Justin and for Brian, too, in some ways. And I think even though Justin has found some much needed closure, I could totally understand Brian being yeah, and Brian being nervous about Justin digging into all of that right. again. He's like, "What's going to happen this time when you go back down exactly. the road?" You know, because you dug into it and you see mm-hmm. what the posse brought out. Right? Yeah, <laughs> no. but there is a world of difference in how Justin talks about JT's bashers here and how he was talking about Hobbs and homophobes in the right. episodes before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can tell that there's been some change, some shift there. It's, um, he got his he he got his resolution. He got to face you know his basher. He made his best to apologize. I wanted him to have like shit coming down his legs. You know, like <laughs> you really I did. did. Yeah. I, I wanted him to suffer. You know, so but, many people say things like they're like, you know, yeah, I would have got off the got off the bus before I got quite that far with Cody, but yeah, I got some stuff I want to work out, yeah. some aggression to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think the offer of one drink is a cautious celebration. And uh, kind of a let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but also a show of support. And Justin will take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we see Emmett. And he's painting Debbie's door red. And I love that for her. A colorful door. It's, it's her perfect colorful for her. That's her personality. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Ted arrives via cab. And Debbie is nice and welcoming, like her red door. Red doors are for <laughs> welcoming people in, <laughs> apparently. And uh, But she knows that Ted isn't there for her. So she disappears which is good on that because usually she's like hey what you here to talk about i thought she was gonna stand there and chew that gum and listen go side to side like what you saying okay yeah. what you gonna say yeah well emmett is braced for some sort of caustic comment from ted and um you know everyone else has seen a different side of ted since this whole thing and the rehab and all that but emmett hasn't yet because the interactions that they had while he was at the rehab center and then before of course before they were all bad mm-hmm. and then Emmett just kind of like well they hadn't known haven't known how to talk to each other since then so they've kind of avoided each other Ted surprises Emmett by saying he thinks it makes perfect sense for him to be living with Debbie because Emmett's like you gonna make fun of me for doing that mm-hmm. and uh, Emmett admits that he thinks the same about Ted working for Brian he thinks it's a perfect perfect match perfect fit uh, well Ted has his letter for Emmett but um, before we get to that do you think he wrote letters for Justin Debbie and Vic um, he doesn't list them, yeah, he doesn't but I think it's them. because he's like trying to work through his nerves and work up to saying, Emmett, I have your letter. Right, exactly. But do you think that he... Um, knowing Ted, I think everybody in his friend circle, he probably wrote everyone that he's, you know, he encounters on a daily. So yeah, I would think that he he definitely definitely wrote one for Debbie for sure um, and Vic. Um, as far as Justin, maybe he included Justin and Brian's, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think he wrote wrote them letters yeah. also. Yeah, I can see it both ways, but I, I kind of lean toward it. I do think he wrote them one because, like mm-hmm. you said, he was connected to the three of them, and they were connected to the people who— Is in his direct circle. Yeah, in his direct mm-hmm. circle. And their later letters may have been pretty simple, but I think I'm going to say that he, he did include them. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, now that Ted is working with Brian, he's going to be around Justin more, right. I, I would assume. And then we saw at that launch party, the two of them were standing together talking. So it's not like they never interact right. with each other. And he also, like, they've been knowing him for oh, some years, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that was totally out of character for him. So, I mean, he probably wanted to apologize for his actions. Like, that was not me. I was out of character. Right. Like, I don't know how I even got down this road. But if I wronged you by any way, I want, I, he definitely made those amends. I think know? so, too. And then for Uncle Vic, like, Ted's spiral affected their business, mm-hmm. the business that they had together. And, like, they couldn't get that oven that they needed. And Emmett was having to send Vic out on his own because he needed to be there to keep an eye on Ted exactly. or to support him or whatever. And so, then he went through a depression, so right. he didn't so want to work. Then, yeah. yeah. And then 
as for Debbie, like she is kind of the matriarch of that group, like this mother figure. And so I definitely think he would feel it, that it was appropriate to do it for her. Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. Well, back to the scene. Emmett realizes that he was the last one on the list, but I don't think it's for the reason that he, that's the either. hardest one that's to write. And I don't think that there are words mm-hmm. to even go on a letter to say all he wants to say to Emmett. Um, well, Emmett tells him that it's very admirable that he's admitting his mistakes and and asking everyone to forgive him, and he assumes that they all have. And Ted is relieved to say that, that yes, they have forgiven him. And Emmett says, well, I bet that makes you feel better, but what is a letter going to do for me? Will it take away the damage that's been done? Will it take away the pain? Will it make up for me feeling helpless and inadequate or erase all those memories of you descending down into your addiction while you tried to drag me with you? Um, And Emmett tells him, you'll have to get your feel-good fix from someone else. That's savage. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. that is savage. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, clearly we're getting to see Emmett hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad he's getting it off his chest and expressing. Is it the right time? No. <laughs> it is not the right time. I mean, it's you could have wrote a letter. It's one of those hard things where it's like, when is the right, the right time, though? Well, not when this man is, he's on his way back up, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, he might still be a little. Yeah, yeah. baby, he's still a little And shaky. he lives alone. Yeah, like, yeah. like, not when he's on his way back up, Emmett. You know better than that. But, I mean, Emmett has to be able to grieve as well. He has to be able to, yeah. to vent and and express himself. And if, if he's not ready. He's not ready, mm-hmm. but I just think he could have been a little nicer, more polite with the word choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like, don't kick the man when he's down, down. Like, I mean, come on, Emmett. I kind of feel like you, and it could be in the minority, but I, I do feel like it's important for Emmett to acknowledge his feelings, too. You know, like you said, I'd, I'd kind of listen to a conversation about whether or not this is the right time for that. But I think what Emmett had to learn in all of this was to love and respect himself and to choose himself at times. And that's a pretty new concept for Emmett. So he might not be perfect at executing it mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he also feels like words written on a paper aren't going to do anything to change or heal the things that he experienced. And that's kind of what he told Ted. And, and for Ted's part, I do think it's complicated, but I don't think Ted's been doing this to make himself feel better. I totally think that's a benefit of him owning up to, the, to his stuff and apologizing. But um, I think he really is remorseful. And wants to do what he can to repair the damage um, that he caused. Or at yeah. least try to move past it if he can Absolutely. I mean, he knows that you're never going to forget. But we, we can move forward, though. And we can make this, try to make this a better situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I messed up in the past, but I'm here to fix that. I'm here to make myself better and, you know, to improve you guys' life as well as a, being a better friend. Yeah. You know, and apologies are Ted's to offer, but they are Emmett's to accept. And he's not there yet. Right. And I mean. Can't force it. Yeah. Can't force it. Well, over at Ben and Michael's place, Michael and Hunter are watching uh, V-Men, which I've never heard of. It, it must be Canadian. Very. <laughs> yeah. But they've got VHS tapes of V-Men, Rat Man with an R, and Pharmacy Cowboy. And Ben is there trying to edit his boring manuscript. And Hunter is taking notes not on the movie. <laughs> well, that's what the publisher said. Right. It's not my personal opinion. I haven't read it. But, <laughs> but according to Michael and the publisher, it's boring. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Hunter's there with a notepad and he's jotting down some do's and don'ts for what they, you know, is like critiquing that movie so they can right. learn from that and use that with rage, which I think that's a great bonding thing for the two of them. It is. Michael is planning what he's going to do with those rage coins. He's going to pay off Debbie's house and then put, put down a down payment on a house for them and buy a car. And, uh, Ben chimes in. He says he doesn't know which fantasy is crazier, the one they are watching or the one they're telling themselves. 
And I'm like, all right, Ben. Look, negative see you Nancy. over there in that green with envy shirt. Yeah, for real, for real. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Green eye bandit over there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he says just because um, they say they want to make it into a movie doesn't mean it'll ever make it to the light of day. I'm thinking he could be a little bit more supportive, right. probably. I mean, I'm glad he hitting him with the truth, but damn, babe, like you couldn't say, yeah. Oh my god, but babe, that's amazing. That's wonderful work. But also, don't get your hopes up. You know how Hollywood can be. Yeah. But I mean, we're gonna be for this road. I'm, but he didn't do that. It was always he was never happy. Like really. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, and you can look at his response and Brian's response. Now, Brian's is more in line with just his personality. Like, right. You, you're not going to see Brian jumping up and down all giddy about right, something. Like, right. you're just not going to see that. He'll believe it when he sees it kind of thing. But he might be like, okay, that's what you want to do. Go work hard and do it. <laughs> right. But, um, and so his kind of makes more sense. But Ben usually has a more positive attitude. And so it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't feeling it. But mm-hmm. that's because his book isn't doing well. Right. He don't want Michael out shining. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, no, one of us, we both of us can't be famous. Okay, I'm going to be the For famous real. author. There is one yeah. artist. Of yes, the, You know, one writer in this family. That in part. this household. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think Michael is jumping the gun. You haven't even taken the meeting yet. Right. You know, like, you got an email. Mm-hmm. Like, and you never know. Like, we get emails all the time for stuff. And I'm like, is this mm-hmm. a scam? I'm always Googling. Is this Facts. a real company? No. <laughs> and I, I literally, when I Google stuff like that, I put the whole thing in it, I, I yeah. type every. I want to make sure for real. That's okay. me. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't. You only have the email. You haven't set up no meetings with the production company. You don't know. You don't know anything. Yeah, you know? it's okay to dream, but yeah. you know, maybe maybe keep it kind of in check. Yeah. Well, Hunter wants to know who will play Rage, and Michael says Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. Hunter suggests Ashton Kutcher, which I've heard some people say. Ashton Kutcher kind of favors He's a mix Brian of both. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. If you're looking at the right picture in the wrong light. Well, no, <laughs> I can see him looking like Brian for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was the same, season, it was one, kind season of Brian. one Brian. They got the same body type mm-hmm. and they, the hair kind of gives you the same uh-huh. uh, and a similar facial um, structure yeah. as well. So I was like, maybe. Yeah. But then that's the time, you know, Ashton was popping. It's funny that they mentioned his name. How yeah. funny. And uh, yeah, I think about the three that they mentioned. Okay, if they were doing that movie now, which they totally should, mm-hmm. if they were making a Rage movie now, you'd have to cast an actor who was gay or queer mm-hmm. and out, I think. Exactly. You would have to. Yeah, you can't get away with. They would be canceled. For real. Okay. Nobody would go watch. It's like, really? No, we're not doing that anymore. No, it would be canceled. Why would you hire a straight actor to play the game? Right yeah, now? but it's funny that in the script, well, there probably weren't very many out gay actors then, but uh, in the script, they list, because those are the big names and the big blockbuster people, and they're all these straight men. Exactly. But I would love to see Tom Cruise play this role. You know, I got me a little Tom Cruise thing. He's like two feet tall. Okay, what we're not going to do is come for the height, okay? He's 5'6". We're not coming for him, okay? That's my boo He thing. doesn't give me rage vibes. Uh, when he was running, no one runs like Tom Cruise, okay? Like when he's running, he could be rage. It's not giving me rage, no. but you can have your fantasies and I'll just keep mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ben heads to bed with a little jab at Michael. And uh, Michael wants him to watch the movie with them for a bit. And he's like, I'll sit on your lap, you know, trying to get, uh, sway him to come over there. <laughs> and Ben is not inc- impressed with Brett Keller's films. And he says the success of them only proves that there are people out there who don't mind settling for mindless entertainment. Oh, Lord. It's not about settling, Ben. It's about watching what you are in the mood for. That and sometimes part. I want to watch something completely plotless. 
the nonstop action with a bunch of stuff blowing up, you know, <laughs> and a tricked out Honda Civic pulling down a helicopter from the sky. Yes. You know? Cue any of the Fast and the Furious movies. Girl, that was hilarious. <laughs> you know? Not the tricked out Civic. Yes. And I'm not hating on Fast and Furious because I quite like them, but sometimes it's what you want to watch. You know what you're getting. It's right. what you want, though. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't need substance always, babe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I need a little ratchet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, we see Lindsay traipsing through the rain in hopes of getting to speak with Sam Auerbach. And it turns out that he's a bit of a diva. And uh, she tells him that she's a huge fan of his work. And then she makes a pitch asking him to do an exhibit at the Sydney Bloom Gallery where she works. And while she's talking to him, an assistant, Miranda, is walking by. And he's more interested in checking her out than anything Lindsay has to say. And he asks Miranda to carry some paintbrushes for him. And then he pats her on the butt and thanks. Like, he's very skeevy. Girl, I was like, oh, hell no. Nah. I was yeah. like, I wish Lindsay and that moment would have checked his ass right in and there. Yeah. He lucky this is back then. Because yeah. anything, that, if you're even touching my shoulder. For real. You know what I'm saying? We're, <laughs> we're into it. Yeah. Okay? But yeah, this dude is a straight creep, though. Straight yeah. ass. I am very opposed to people who think that any level of fame or success or brilliance gives them permission to put their hands or their eyes wherever they want to. Right. I'm very opposed to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Ted and Blake are leaving an AA meeting, and Ted is in a mood, but Blake doesn't get sucked into that orbit. He stays positive. And uh, Ted is wondering if there's truth to what what Emmett said. Like, what if he is only writing these letters to feel good about himself? That would mean he's still using his friends to, like, feel some selfish need in him. And Blake tells him that he can't be responsible for Emmett's reaction. He says, you offered him your truth, and that's all that matters. Well, Ted responds with, if that's all that matters, how come you never offered me your truth? Mm. And Blake ain't got nothing to say to that. Nothing hush mouth. Okay? Yeah. Close it all Yeah, out. Ted tosses Emmett's letter on the ground and then skips out on the coffee. Yeah. I mean, he has a right to feel that way. I mean, he's upset. Emmett is the most important one that he probably wanted to make amends with, and it didn't go the way it was planned. He gave him something to think about, you know, and low-key, giving out that letter, kind of feel, I kind of feel what Emmett is saying. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I understand that you want to correct these wrongs, but I'm not ready yet. Yeah. When I tried to come to you, you bashed me. Now you're going to play on my terms, you know? And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to forgive you yet. Yeah. I'm not ready. Sometimes you need to be angry. You have to be angry to get, to get over it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't ever get angry, then you're going to build up that resentment when you think about it. Like you think you're done with it, but you're not. It's yeah. going to keep coming back and coming back. So I, I, I'm with Emmett right now. And you, I'm glad that Ted checked Blake. Blake. Thank you. Yeah. Um, check Blake. Because yeah, Blake, you've been in the same situation and I didn't get, I didn't get yours. So what's up? Yeah. This situation is different, but I understand Emmett needing yeah, to take that time. space and yeah. that time to say no i'm still angry i'm not moving on with you right. know whatever i'll move on when i'm ready yeah and right now i'm not I, I, i'm fighting i'm working through my anger because you know there's different stages of forgiveness right. you have to go through those different stages and right now he's on anger right he'll move past it and when his time is right y'all come back together yeah it to be. is he handling it perfectly maybe not according to everybody's yeah. standards but for him that's where he's at exactly so, yeah well we see debbie and she went to vic's place and i'm Happy I was about so that. happy. Yeah, Vic tells her that he's sorry if she was hurt. And he says, but I am t- entitled to my own life. And I think that that's important to put those two things together. Like, hey, I am sorry just because I didn't tell you and I lied to you or, or omitted the truth. But I'm not sorry that I have my own life. And um, he said, after all it took for him to get it. And Debbie says, well, you and me both. And I'm not sure See? if she was talking about Vic's life or her own. I don't think Vic was either. 
But he says, so let's just be happy that we each have our own lives. So he, I'm glad he handled it like that because yeah. I picked up on some little shade. Like I, I did like too. That. Like I helped yeah. you get yeah, your life. Yeah, exactly. Like, what I oh, up baby on. girl, like stop that, stop yeah. that. Because if you're gonna do something for me, then do it. I don't need you throwing right. it back in my face. Exactly. Well, Debbie points out that Vic. She's like, you got an apartment and a boyfriend, and Vic corrects her. He has a life partner. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Debbie is talking about how it's a miracle that. Uh, it took a miracle to get him to this place because that's what Vic says. Like, mm-hmm. this is a miracle compared to where he was in season one. Like, now having all these things that he has in his life and, and thriving in this way. And uh, Debbie says, it takes more than um, than a miracle, more than you know, just the action of the man upstairs. She says, I'm talking about sheer will, hard work, sacrifice, lots of sacrifice, like nursing you myself when your health insurance ran out, cleaning up your vomit, wiping your... Your ass. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If I have to hear about you wiping my ass one more time. She says, if I had to do it, you can freaking hear about it. And who else would have done it if it weren't for me? If I hadn't taken you in, where would you have gone? What would have happened to you? We both know the answer to that one. Just don't you forget who put their life on hold so that you can one day live yours. Uh, she said, I'd be doggone if I was going to let that disease get you. Not while I had an ounce of strength left. Why else do you think I did it? I thought you did it for me, Mama. Um, that is a line from Gypsy, a 1950s musical. Oh, yeah. And it, in this scene, it's a great, iconic scene, and it's um about this kind of overbearing stage mother mm. and her daughters. Like she didn't make it in the industry, and so her daughters are uh, there, yeah. and mm-hmm. her daughter is Gypsy. Um, Gypsy, Gypsy Rose. And uh, anyway, so I thought you did it for me, Mama. Yeah. So Debbie picks up on that. Okay, well, it keeps going. And yeah, it keeps going. It's a good scene, though. Yeah, Actually, it's, it's a, a terrible scene. It's so good, it's terrible. Yeah, and I'm just like, Debbie, no, ma'am. You no. know, I, I think that she's trying to remind him that she's important and trying to secure a spot in his new life, which was never an issue. He already knows that, yeah. girl. You're but stressing but something that doesn't need to be stressed. She's going about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that she did, and she did do, she did do a lot for him. But if it wasn't motivated by love and with no hope for payback or reciprocity of any kind, then I'm thinking you can't point to that no. as a sign of your love for me because you had some other motivation with that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that it might have. I don't know. It, it's just tricky. And I, I think it's kind of like the situation with Ted where it's like, OK, does she get something out of this that is about her giving her purpose and giving her meaning to her life? You know, he knows. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what you've done for him. He was supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. He he he, oh, he knows that he's extremely great. You already know. She knows that he's extremely grateful right. to even be having this extra time on Earth right. if it wasn't for her. But she needs to let go of that. She's that over the same way she hover over Michael. She's doing the same thing to him, you mm-hmm. know, and it gets to a point, girl, you have to let it go. People are going to going to leave the nest. Yeah. He loves you just because he leaves doesn't mean that he does not love you anymore. But at the same time, I don't need you throwing up in my face. All the things you had to do for me when I was down. I probably don't even want to think about that time when yeah. I couldn't wipe my own ass. Right. I don't want to think about the time when I'm pissing my sheets and I can't even get up and I'm vomiting everywhere. I don't even think about that. But you keep bringing that up. I'm She's been a, bringing that up since season one. Yeah. I'm in a positive light right now. Like, let's keep it on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing me. You doing you. Like, yeah. I mean, girl, you finally got you some good old thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, she let that go. Yeah, but she let it go. <laughs> but I mean, like, finally, we both are here living our best life. You know, Vic was, he didn't get, he wasn't having no sex before Rodney. You know, and she wouldn't have no sex before Carl. Like, or yeah, even I'm, just any companionship from someone that wasn't his sister. Thank he you. Wasn't getting that, yeah. Like, I mean, she's just dragging this out. Yeah. Well, and I think what something else that she's forgetting in this is like he had to fight too. Like, perhaps harder, harder than her. For his he life. had to work harder for his life yeah. than she did. 
I mean, and he was the one suffering through the stuff. Yes. Like, you might be cleaning it up, but I'm the one actually having to deal with yeah. it and go through it. My body is the one yeah. that's in danger. And so I think that she's forgetting all of that. And she's, like we said, you know, she's trying to use this to make herself important to him. And so he right. remembers that he owes her something. But I'm like, you're he playing a card forget. that you should not be wielding yeah, in that way. Exactly. Because he would never forget. Yeah. And Debbie calls him an ingrate. And I don't think that he's being ungrateful. No. But uh, it's just like, how many times are you going to keep bringing this up? I mean, she brings it up in inappropriate settings in front of other people. She yep. brings this up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do I owe you in response? Like, how? what do I have to give back to you? Do I owe you my life now? <laughs> and, I know. Like, when does it end? Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. When does it end? And I really think, yeah, I just think that this is hurtful to Vic in, in a lot of ways. You oh, know, absolutely. I understand that Debbie's got some hurt feelings, but I feel like this right here is going way yeah, mm-hmm. way extreme. And he tells Debbie not to speak to him that way in his own house. Put your foot down. I'm yeah. proud of him. And she says, well, you took what you needed from me. And the first time you got, and you know, the first chance you got, it was so long, sucker. She says, you used me. And he throws back, well, you used me. Like, that if part. we don't say that we used each other, then then let's just be honest about it. And I don't think that he used her. He benefited from the love and service and sacrifice and service of his sister. And hence why he's able to walk and breathe now. Yeah, you know, like, but it's like, okay, now we got past that. Now, But there had to be a point of you doing that. And if it wasn't for me to live my life how I want to live it, it, it yeah, then it was about you. Yeah, it was. So you did use me then mm-hmm. in that but, case. And like you said, yeah, you and you used also she used him too for just companionship. Mm-hmm. Michael was no longer there. She, I mean, she was empty nester. Yeah. She needed him around. She needed someone to care for. That's all she's ever known mm-hmm. is to take care of someone else. Hence, she, hell, she's still a server. Yeah. Still taking care of someone else, you know? Yeah. If I had to say, I would think that when Vic was at his worst, Debbie was probably doing this from a genuine place of love, but it was also feeding her need to take care of people. That's yep. just part of her personality. Yep, yep, like, yep. Not saying that's a bad thing, but we know, remember early in season one, I think when she passed out at the diner and her wig fell off yeah. and she wanted to immediately go back and she didn't know what to do with herself if she wasn't doing something for someone else. Even when Vic moved down, she's over there doing all this stuff for Michael and Ben and Hunter. Mm-hmm. She thought that she was just doing something loving, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> you like, know, like chill, babe. you trying to, you know, feel that need that you have on us. Like that's, yeah. Don't, don't project that on, onto us. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, Mm-hmm. No, ma'am, Debbie. Yeah, no. I'm just, I wasn't feeling it. I'm feeling it at all. You came to my house, disrespected me, and tried to throw some shit up in my face. It's not yeah. a good look, boo. Yeah, well, then she leaves out and tells him, like, I don't ever want to see you again. No. And then she... Girl, she went in. She said, fuck you. Yeah. Looked him dead in his eyes and said it again. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. Debbie, oh, my God, girl. No, not yeah. a good look. Not a good look at all. But we did get an answer to a question that we had a couple episodes ago. Debbie is older. He's a, it was F you little brother. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Facts. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, over at Babylon, Justin and Brian are chilling and playing a bit of footsie in the blue light there. And uh, I'm going to say that they've been scoping out prospects. And Brian's not very impressed with the nice pickings. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> and it looks like there's a bottle of something on the floor next to Brian. So I don't think they stuck to that one drink yeah, thing. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. Uh, and Brian says that he thinks there's a problem with their extracurricular one-time only policy. And Justin says, well, could it be that after a while you start asking yourself, am I doing this because I want to do it or because I need to do it? And if I need to do it, is it to prove to myself that I'm still young and attractive? Oh, I love it. Or because I think I'm unworthy of being loved. 
and Justin is such a little peel because yes. I think he knows that's exactly yeah. what Brian would be asking himself if he allowed himself that's those wills. to string those mm-hmm. words together, which he will not do because he already knows the answer to that. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that little smirk on his face while saying it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Brian is not going to go there. And so he says it's because he's had every acceptable guy in the city. Now, I don't think Justin believes that, but he also very easily spots some fresh meat for them across he the... He can smell it like a bloodhound, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The nostrils flare. Yeah, he has been trained well by the master. Brian gets up to go after the thrill of the kill, and Justin stops him, saying, too bad, Simba, it's me he was checking out. <laughs> and so they make a little wager. If Justin wins, Brian has to take him on an all-expense-paid trip to Ibiza. I know, I know that it's pronounced Ibiza, but I'm not going to do that because right. I feel stupid when I say that. So. Right. That's funny. <laughs> um, and Brian says that's a long way to go for a bathhouse with sand. That's some interesting cynicism, especially since he just complained about running out of options. Yeah, mm-hmm. that part. <laughs> so, mm, telling on yourself there, sir. If Brian wins, he says that Justin has to go back to school. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier. When Justin was at Kinetic telling Brian, Brian about the uh, possible movie stuff, Brian made a comment about Justin needing a degree. And that's something that he feels very strongly about. And, right. And I think he's encouraging him to put as many tools in his belt as possible. Absolutely. To educate himself, you know, do all this stuff so that your options are kind of endless. And he's probably of the school of thought that a degree does make you, people take you more seriously. And you need something to fall back on. True. Uh, that's the way I see it. Like, people look at you a little differently when you say you have a, bas- a bachelor's or a master's or PhD. And then, like you said, he will have something to fall back on mm-hmm. just in case rage isn't picked up for the movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's been almost 20 years. And so now, like, a degree matters much. Well, to some people, it still does. But that's usually in older generations. But in younger generations, like, millennial and below, like, degree don't really mean nothing. You know? Uh, You see those little six-year-old kids making millions on YouTube. I was about to say the same thing. Like, (laughs) now, I would... Back then, I would have agreed yeah, with Yeah, because that's Brian. what I had always been told. Yeah, but now, no. I would have definitely saved my thousands. Yeah. Okay, I would have saved those. And, um, you know, I probably would have just invested in myself and something like this. But we didn't have all of all of this type of thing. All these other up. ways yeah. to uh-huh. be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, also, I think it's very important to Justin because for a time, he had to make sacrifices. And he worked really hard to be able to go to college after losing the financial support from his dad. And having to recover and adjust after the bashing, so it was super important to him. Yeah, so the and fact so that I he think just gives it up. Yeah, so I think there's a part of Brian that doesn't want Justin to give up on any of his dreams mm-hmm. either. And so, you know, attending PIFA for sure that was a dream of his. And so it's like, yeah, maybe professionally, career wise, this is important. But also, this was important to you personally for a time, and he right. doesn't want him to just walk away from that. Yeah, and have those regrets later on in life. Yeah, and at first Justin didn't want to take that bet, but then he's like, okay. I know they were checking me out, so let's do this. Right. <laughs> uh, I also think that it's funny that Justin is asking for this trip because I think he's like, what's the point of me dating a sugar daddy yeah, if I can't get no vacation? Yeah, if I can't get no sugar. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't okay. go to Vermont in season two. Right. And so here he's like, I'm going to get me a vacation. I'm finally going to take this trip. Okay? Yeah. Like, for real, for real, we're taking it. And I'm getting all the splendor I need because, you know, just, um, Brian is not a sugar daddy. He's a splendor daddy. It's, it's a difference. <laughs> yeah, because okay. he's not that old. That's yeah, true. he's not that old. He's a yeah. splendor. He's, a little he's, sugary. Yeah, he's in his just prime. I wonder sugary. if he's still lying about his age at this point. Probably. <laughs> he's probably just now saying he's 29. Right. Facts. Uh, while they were negotiating the terms, the guy that they spotted disappeared. And Brian says, he who hesitates doesn't get laid. And 
Now, I noticed that Brian doesn't get up to go look for this guy either. Brian got the confidence, baby. He knows that he's going to win. Well, okay. I was thinking about, you know, in season one, it's I think it might be 103 or I think it's 103 when Brian's looking for the, the silver surfer guy. Oh, yeah. And he, like, he keeps looking for him all yeah. night long. Well, he mm-hmm. doesn't get up to go look for this guy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Brian has evolved now. Yeah. Okay. He, he's going to wait for it to come to him. Yeah. He, he, he's like the cheetah who's laying in, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> camouflaging in. Uh, with with uh, with the grass, so he can yeah. you know pounce pounce on the prey. Uh, yeah. Well, I love this interaction between them because it shows a little bit more about the dynamics of their open relationship, and they're both kind of like casually scoping out guys, but it's very secondary to right. them just chilling there together. Um, and while I don't have any problem with them having extracurricular activities on the side, like those don't have the same place or purpose that that they did before yeah. for them. Mm-mm. And here it does almost seem. That Brian's like, well, we're at Babylon, so I yeah. guess I'll, you know, I'll look. <laughs> I guess that's we'll the thing to do. We'll see what we yeah. can do. You wanted to come. Yeah, and it could be that what he said is true, that he's already had everybody there. But I think that might be an exaggeration. Maybe I not by much. So. Ma- not by much, but but still, there's probably at least five people in there. Oh, no, no. But, but he said but like acceptable. He said, acceptable. Like, I mean, yeah. It's he was using a different men. word, but I'm going to say it's acceptable. It's a man that's not, you know, it's a man in there that he hasn't been with, but at the same time. I mean, come on now. Brian Kenny yeah. has standards. Is, are you on the Kenny standards? Well, his standards are interesting to me. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, they do kind of be all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but he had this one-time only rule before Justin even came into the picture. So I'm sure he had a contingency plan or other options for keeping the men flowing. So, mm-hmm. so I think there's a little bit more to to what's going on there. Um, but and I think for Justin, I think when a good time presents himself itself, if he's in the mood for it, then he'll go for it. But yeah, yeah. but but I don't think he was doing it for the same like validation reasons that Brian oh, was. No. So he's like, if I want to, I do. If I don't, I don't. Right. I think they were just um. I mean, and that conversation just had um, started because, like you said, they were just shooting the shit, mm-hmm. chilling, and um, Brian looked up, could see the fresh meat or whatever the case, and then Justin was like, whatever. But just letting you know, pops. Yeah, he's cruising me. Okay, yeah. like he's for me. But so it wasn't like they were out on the prowl looking right. or anything. It was I'm just hanging out, kick, kicking it, and right. if something comes up, it comes up. Well, and even this conversation about this potential trick is more about them and this yeah. wager that they're making exactly. with each other. Uh, Nothing to do with him, right? Exactly. So it it becomes about a whole different thing. It's like just like a game for them. Well, then we see Lindsay, and she is home telling Melanie about what happened with Sam, and Melanie responds with. You know what they say about meeting your heroes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an experience like that? No, I haven't. But I heard, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of, I don't want to say his name because just in case if he hear this, <laughs> you know, I don't want to ruin my chances. But anyway, they say he's the worst person to ever meet. And then this person I don't care about, but they say, I heard, a, I, I heard Charlemagne the guy on a radio station talk about meeting Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. He went to an auction. And um, he has spent $7,000 on some Jordans. I mean, on some damn Jordans. Yeah. Like, oh, hells no. But anyway, it was for a good cause, so he spent the 7000 He went up to Michael and was like, hey, how are you? Michael was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not talking to you. And he was like, well, you know you know who I am? He's like, yeah, I know who you are. He said, I just bought these shoes. He's like, and? And, yeah. he, and Charlamagne was just like, you are the rudest person in the world. Like, <laughs> I have heard that Michael Jordan is rude. Yeah, I have heard like, that. Like, yeah. Lord. But um, I personally have not. Every celebrity I've ever encountered has been super sweet and mm-hmm. nice. I'll never forget when I was a server at Dave & Buster's, I ran up on Michael Rappaport. 
And uh, I kept looking at him, and like I was walk, he was walking past me, and I looked at him. He looked at me, and I looked back again. He looked at me again, and then he shook his head, like, "Yeah, it's me." Yeah. And I just walked up to him. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a huge fan of your work." Da 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 da. Like, what? Because he I get does for look you? mean. He looks yeah. like he would be mean. But dude, he's super, super chill, cool. Had his kids with him, but yeah, he was here with his family doing that, and he was just real chill, real cool. Like, I mean. For real, for real. Uh, well, I have a personal thing against him because I think he was the one in... Who pre- shot Tyra Banks? Oh, well, no, I didn't uh, remember that. Okay, but- <laughs> well, well, he was in what, though? Well, that too. Yeah. But no, he was in, I think it's uh, Prison Break, and he was horrible. Yeah. And so, mm-mm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have talked to him anyway. Yeah. For real, for real. But real life, cool cat. Great yeah. guy. Super chill. I know, but that makes me afraid to sometimes meet my... I don't call my heroes, <laughs> right. but meet celebrities that mm-hmm. I like because I'm like, if you're not what I want you to be in my head, like you will ruin all of the work that you've done. Oh, like, I know. I won't even want to look at it. I know. But I'm telling you right now, but yeah, never meet them. Never go in the expectation <laughs> of they are those characters that you fell in love yeah. with. They're not them. Yeah. Okay? I think that's the first thing you have to have in mind. Like they are not their character. Cause like even when I spoke with Peter Page, Peter Page is great and amazing, but he is not Emmett right. at all. They are uh, not. Yeah, and so, and that's for all of them. Like, Randy is not Justin at all. Right. Gail is not Brian. And so, even people are always like, when we're going to interview them, and um, I was like... Did you talk to Brian? You, I was like, no, you I just need to, to make Gail. sure that you remember that that Gail is not Brian. <laughs> just make sure you keep that in mind, okay? When you listen, just make sure you keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, okay, back to the scene here. Okay, so the encounter with Sam left Lindsay feeling a little insecure, and she's seeking out validation about her looks and attractiveness from Melanie, who is giving it, but it's a little hard to believe because Melanie hasn't taken her eyes off her book yet. She's into that. She's into it, okay. Yeah. Uh, Plus, sometimes the impacts of a compliment can start to wane a bit when it's from the same person who gives it to you. I don't trust nothing Brad said. (laughs) I'm I'm literally like, Brad, man, I can't, your hair is beautiful. Brad doesn't want you looking better than him in public. So Thank he's you. Always gonna- <laughs> no, for real, for real. Oh, my God. I don't trust nothing he say anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. we've been together too long. We're done. No. Yeah. Um. Well, Lindsay says that she was um, invisible next to his trampy assistant. <laughs> now, she may or may not have been trampy. Why she got a girl trampy? You know, but I still say that Sam was being sleazy. It was Sam. It wasn't her. To me, the girl yeah. didn't have nothing on inappropriate. No. And what could she, what could she do or say? She was going to lose her spot on that team probably yeah. if she didn't go along with that. You see that that's the only way to get his attention. That so. part. I want them to do a reboot. <laughs> you know yeah. And hit him with a, well, I'm sorry. Me they, too, on the On the new, on the reboot, I want them to revisit this one yeah and then hit him with a million me too cases because i mean your hand should never been on my ass period okay true that yeah uh, about that's the personal touch i'm looking for yeah if you don't get your scumbag sleazy <laughs> ass, boy. yeah well melanie says it isn't right it isn't fair it just is she says we all have our powers of persuasion and if you want something from him and you know what his weakness is then you might have to exert your power you gotta play the game yeah now, I don't think I've ever used my looks to get something from someone, like, not intentionally, but I do know how to stroke an ego. And I do mean ego. Oh, but say, girl, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm about to go, like, what you mean? Yeah, I do mean ego. If, if our comments tell us anything, our, like, 80% of our diners live shamelessly in the gutter. <laughs> so, I do mean ego. And I'm the main one Yeah, the you leave them there, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, have you ever done that? Use your Girl, looks or something like that? you know I do it all the time. <laughs> like, I'm not ashamed to say it. I do. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
I won't say my looks. What I do use, I have this extremely high energy personality, mm -hmm. and it makes people trust me or want to do things. So I know when to turn it on and off. I'm really good at gauging energies and and how to interpret it, how to to present myself, and it, it works every single time. Yeah, you get something different from me every time. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Like you know, if you how to get something from somebody you need. Like mm -hmm. that's what she's telling Lindsay. Like you see what gets his attention. It ain't right. Right. Kind of like what her situation yeah. was before. It's not right, but that's what it is. Use what you got and to get you what you can, want, If girl. you can control the narrative, if you can be the one stay in power, then you might have to, yeah. Right. Um, I did But also, I like how uh, how Melanie roasted it. Did you see him in that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what were you wearing? Because yeah. she already know Lindsay will go out there looking real frumpy sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did notice that Melanie's belly has deflated again. Right. <laughs> it, no, it deflated, but then early in the season, like early like, at the, early at the, the party. Yeah, it was huge. It was, I was like, she's having twins. Yeah, and now it's flat. So. I mean, flat. <laughs> Yeah. She was just chilling on the bed, flat. Yeah, maybe she had like some corsets on or something. Girl, some that, that baby gonna be hurt then because you you squeeze. <laughs> I mean, you squeezing all those vital organs. Yeah, that like girl. Uh uh. Well, over at Red Cape, Justin is there manning the register, or at least just at the computer checking his email. And Ben catches Justin's angstiness, and Justin tells him that he's waiting on a response because he and Michael told Brett Keller that they were interested. Well, that seems like news to Ben. I guess Michael didn't tell him that. And I can, He's been negative. Yeah, I can understand why. He's like, mm -mm, you ain't gonna rain on yeah, my parade. No. Keep you out of this. <laughs> uh, well, Ben says, I'm sure he'll he'll get back to you when he can. You know, they're busy. He says, if he's still interested. And Justin says, well, why wouldn't he be interested? And Ben says, well, you know how it is. You know, they're hot on something one minute and then cold the next. And Justin's trying to stay optimistic, but Justin's also a realist. A realist. And he mm -hmm. is like, okay, let me think about this. He's, you know, kind of, he can be logical as well. And so he might be a little thrown by what Ben is uh, saying. Um, and Ben's not being necessarily negative, but. It, mm, I mean, yeah, he's throwing. He a little, knows what he's doing. He's sprinkling a little salt. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, just last episode, Ben was praising Rage for being a very important work of art, very yep. important piece of art. And, um, Ben says, well, what if he what if he ruins it? What if he makes rage straight? And so now Justin's like, oh, well, yeah, what if he what if he does that? He's placing doubt in Justin's mind. I don't think he was. I mean. I mean I'm mean, i jumping the gun, but I'm not going to say it. Justin's response to me being saying those things and the response that Justin gave to Michael was perfect. I mean, because yeah. I feel like you do need to cover all bases. Right. He brought some type of awareness to them thing because they just thinking, oh, we're going to sell this script. We're going to get the money. But no, baby, you lose all type yeah. of creative ownership with this, too. So you need to have you. You need to have something in place to set your terms and your wants because yeah. Hollywood is going to give you the low ball. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to come in knowing your worth, knowing what 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 to expect and what you're going to get out of it. You know, so I yeah. think this Ben, yes, has been negative. But in this scene, I took it as I'm going to have a real conversation mm -hmm. with someone who actually listens, you know, who, right. who will actually listen. Yes, it's on a negative tip. Yeah, his intentions might have been bad, but they produce something good. Yeah, but it produced something yeah, good. Yeah. Because it's like what Brian said a couple episodes ago, like the devil owns the copyright. Like when you sell your... You, something you produce or your, yeah. your art or whatever you do it according to some contract or whatever then they they might own that mm -hmm. so yeah anyway when michael comes down ready to leave for for lunch um with ben and justin tells him that they should get a lawyer kind of what you were hinting at to look everything over and that's very true you know very smart decision but i think what ben was trying to do he doesn't want he can't just say michael don't do this or i don't want you to do it or i don't think you should but if he can get his business partner to be like oh yeah. maybe maybe we should <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. that's what Ben was up to. 
But uh, I think Michael is listening to Justin and he's like, mm, this got being written all over it. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, you know, I think even though Brian is kind of keeping his distance, definitely on some of Justin's personal stuff, like he... His ear is always to the ground. Yeah, well, and I don't think he would let Justin sign anything without having an attorney. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, Michael tells Ben to butt out, and uh, Ben says he's happy to, so they ain't going to lunch. No, it's done with that. Uh, Well, we see Emmett, and he's working on uh, some yard art at Debbie's place, and Blake finds him there, and he brought Ted's letter for Emmett, and Blake tells Emmett that the letters are not about Ted feeling better about himself, the process is about both of them being able to move on. Um, and Emmett says, well, I have moved on and so has Ted without any help or forgiveness for me. I think the issue is that he, Emmett's feelings are hurt because he feels like he wasn't enough or what he was doing wasn't enough to help Ted. And he tried to help him, but it seems like Ted went to everything and everyone else to Except get the for help him. Mm-hmm. that Emmett was trying to but offer. But he's not putting himself in Ted's position yeah. and how embarrassed Ted has to have been to come to you to ask you for help. although. You know, he dragged you, you know, right. like when when Emmett, when Ted was down, I mean, he dragged Emmett through oh, yeah. the mud. Mm-hmm. So how can I come back and ask you for help? How can how can how can I allow you to help me when I'm feeling, you know, the, yeah, the lowest of the lowest? about what I did to yeah. you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they need to see each other's perspectives and they're not. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is like recovery for Ted's addiction had to begin with Ted. Mm-hmm. And so it's like. Emmett was offering all those things and that's great, but it had to begin with, with Ted. Mm-hmm. And that's not anything, that's not a slight against Emmett. Well, Blake says that Ted is not asking for forgiveness. He's asking for you to acknowledge his pain for having hurt you. And then it's up to him to forgive himself. Dope. Yeah. I, love it. I like, think that, that Emmett was... really needed to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And I always feel like Blake always has the right things to say, mm-hmm. you know, and Blake and Emmett has a rocky past, but the fact that right. Blake keeps showing up, mm-hmm. you know, and being there, like, I'm not going where we're going to work this out. We're going to make him healthy again. And we're going to get you guys, um, get y'all on a healthy path. Mm-hmm. I love that he keeps coming. Like, he's like, yeah. you can't get rid of me that quickly. I'm like that little herpes bump. I'm going to keep <laughs> Okay. That's a horrible wrong, example. Wrong one. But I'm just going to keep coming. I'm going to keep yeah. coming back. Uh, well, I love that he's always advocating for Ted to have these people in, in yes. his life that he knows Ted cares about and these people who care about Ted. Like, he's he's always advocating for that. And the other thing that I picked up here is Ted is not over what he put Emmett through, and he hasn't simply moved on. And what I picked up on is Emmett is not moved on no, either. Like, no, baby, no, no, no. Yeah, not moved you on. got bitter beige all over you. I love like, you, baby. Yeah. Bitter beige. Yeah. Um. Well, Blake leaves the letter in Emmett's court. Like, you know, mm-hmm. here it is. You can do what you want with that. We see Justin in his perfect twink physique at the gym, and uh, he hasn't been at the gym long enough to break a sweat, and he's already been giving phone, <laughs> been giving phone numbers from eight guys. And Brian's probably a little salty about that because Justin doesn't even have to drive. Right, <laughs> he ain't no, even working out. He's walking Just through the gym. There. Yeah. And he's got that young metabolism, and it looks like Jennifer was probably bathing him in the fountain of youth, you know, during his formative <laughs> years. Right. Like to this day, Randy Harrison could pass for being in his twenties if he wanted to. Facts. This man did not age. He <laughs> yeah. has the Benjamin Button effect for he real. He does, for real. yeah. Uh well, Brian spots the guy from Babylon, but Justin doesn't see him. And he tells Justin, Well, how about you go make nice with the gym bunny who the guy who handed him the phone number? And a very sneaky Brian goes over to make friendly conversation with Shane. So Shane's, I don't know if he's playing hard to get, but he's not like falling all over his feet, you know, to get to Brian. Well, he's new, you know, yeah. like he's new. Well, he's yeah, not he gonna, know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, also, in the script says he's 35, so he's not like 
So right, yeah. So he's chicken. not like, exactly. He's not super young. I mean, mm-hmm. like he's young, but he's not like you said, it's spring chicken. So yeah, like no, we can make this work. We yeah. can have we can have conversations. Yeah, but, maybe well, some dinner. He's definitely trying to show Brian what he's working with, judging by those stretches that he's Girl, doing. Yeah. He is. <laughs> You know, he's giving a good old tease. And yeah. Wrong with that, a little strip tease. Well, Brian sits down for some flirtatious small talk. And, you know, I don't think Brian usually has to do much talking to get men to follow him to the steam room because these are not the lines that I would expect from the stud of <laughs> Liberty Avenue. He's like, did you just start here? Yeah, I'm new in town. Score one for Pittsburgh. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Always nice to see a fresh face. Like, yeah. Like, Lord. I don't know. It's just like not the lines I expect from him. No, too cheesy. Yeah. Well, then we see Justin making arrangements with the gym bunny. And after they nail down the, I guess, initial hookup plan, I don't know how that works at the gym, but they, they're parting ways. And now pause. I know that they have this rule about the no names and no numbers, but I think it's really about the spirit of the law, not right. the letter of the law. Like, right, right. And the spirit of the law is don't make any personal connections. Right. Like, get in. Get off, get out. That part. Yes, I love that. Get in, get off, and get out. I love that. That's the rule, yeah. Get in, get off, get out. I love that. (laughs) Oh, As they are partying, Justin sees Brian chatting up Shane. And not to be outmaneuvered by Brian, he enlists the help of this little gym bunny. So we go back over to Brian. And he is still watching Shane. And he says, you know, it's not everybody. It's not everyone who can spread their legs like that. (laughs) Shane says... I still can't go as far as I would like. And Brian says, well, I'd be happy to stretch you. Uh, like Brian Kenny, I don't even know what to do with you sometimes. Yes, I do. Send it to me. <laughs> oh, Mr. Jim Bunny comes over and whispers something into Shane's ear. And then he politely dismisses Brian. And Justin comes over and he's all, oh, well, the man who got away. <laughs> and Brian is busted because... He was clearly confused as why the guy just left, but also, like, Justin saw him, you know, kind of not steal the deal here. And so he's like, oh, no, you know, I was halfway there. Yeah, <laughs> it's halfway. All good. Yeah. And Justin says, well, Shane probably heard that nasty you rumor, <laughs> the one about you having crabs. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, no. Yeah, Brian was outgunned this time. But now he knows, like, you know, it's, there's no rules in the mm-hmm. war game, okay? He over there spreading little rumors. Yeah. Because Brian had him. Justin tells him to pack the sunscreen, but Brian tells him not to get rid of his textbooks so soon. Well, we see Sam working on his mural, and Lindsay comes through serving. She is giving. The white okay. coat, the hair the is whipped hair. and fluffed. Yeah, okay. the, the face is beat. I don't know why yes. they use beat for a makeup thing. But oh, well, because you literally beat the face with the... With the, with the little powder yeah, thing? You, okay. Yeah, you well, literally... I think the first time I saw it, it was like, yeah, I got a beat down. I was like, why are you posting about getting a beat down? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know what that meant, but... I'm always behind the times on things. Yeah. But anyway, her face was beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. She she looked amazing. She came she listened to every word of, of her wife. Yeah. And then she channeled that little trampy little um assistant mm-hmm. and she pulled it together. You quit calling her trampy. Well, I mean, like, if she wants to be trampy, that's her problem. <laughs> okay, I won't tell you not to call her trampy. That's fine. So Sam is kind of looking at her, but not paying her too much attention just because he's extra. Right. Um, but then she has the bagels because he was complaining about bagels earlier. And then he starts to look. Like she makes him like, hey, you wanted bagels? I got you some. Right. Did you see the way he snatched the bagels? Yeah, though? Like, he's so rude. Very. Stand him. Um, well, then he invites her up on the scaffolding with him for this mural. And she takes off her jacket, revealing a nice little black number, a nice Baby. little LVD. Yes. Uh, little black dress here, because I forget in this show that could also mean lesbian bed death. So oh, oh yeah, clarify. I remember. Yeah, gotta clarify which LBD we're talking about here. This is the dress one. Um, 
And as she's climbing the ladder, she trips. And Sam, gentleman that he is, helps her with a palm right on her the butt. Ass. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he's patting her like, oh, yeah, it's okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I got you. You're in good mm-hmm. hands, baby. Well, while she is checking out his art, he is checking out her. Yes. And uh, she starts trying to convince him to do the exhibit. Like, And what she what she's saying is actually very smart. Like, we can show from the, the making, sketches yeah. and the concept and all of that to the final product. And so this would help him as well. So he gives her a paintbrush and the opportunity opportunity to assist the great Sam Arbach. And, uh, and so she's she, stroking it, yeah, too. Yeah, stro- and then he's stroking some stuff, too. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he's stroking all of them down her legs. All the way. And she's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it takes her a minute to figure out how to handle this situation. But she turns around and accidentally like gets paint on his face. And she says, well, I'm happily married. And that means nothing to men like Sam, by the way. So I just wanted to put that out there. Right. Um, and he says, well, you know, I figured you were who's lucky guy or something like that. And she says, well, he's not a guy. He's a woman. And Sam says, even better, call her. We'll have a three-way. Girl. Yeah. Yuck to all the right men there. who assume that all lesbian women want them in their bed. I like, know. Go away. He need his, he need his ass <laughs> whooped. Yeah. Okay. Like, call her so we can have a thread. For one, bro, you're, you're trash. Okay. Yeah. Like, you're d- disgusting. You're a garbage human being. Yeah. Get out of here. She's coming here to bring you bagels and to pitch you an idea that's going to make your whole right. product. This is about her career, yeah. her gallery she works at. She's gonna... just playing your game to get what she needs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it makes and, no sense. Well, Lindsay pops him right on the nose, and I will allow it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to allow yes. it. This time. When she hit him in the face, I was done. Like, I mean, he deserved, oh, but one, the, the paintbrush first, I was like, thank God she got him, but he's going to back up. No, he didn't learn his lesson. When she hit him with that right hook, bow. That's what he needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost knocked him right off. Yeah, and she yeah. had to save him. Like, God. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Lindsay tells him that he is the most repellent man she's ever met, and she runs as fast as those knee-high boots will allow. <laughs> oh, my God. But before she gets too far, he asks her about the name of the place where she got the bagels. Like, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. He's just being funny. Keep on being awful. I thought he was going to call her name be like, hey, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, talk you to know? me about the idea. Yeah, like, but... you're right. But no, he was like, what was the name of that bakery again? Like, bro. Yeah. Get out of here. Stop playing with me. Yeah. But I'm proud of her for being like, you know what? Yeah. Abort mission. Yeah, for real. This ain't worth my dignity. It's no. not. It's not. Because the little girl stayed there and mm-hmm. was groped and probably giving it up every night, whatever. Poor just to be Miranda on that set. was yeah. having to do what she had so, to do. Yeah. Like, nah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not cool. But you can't really fault her for what the system produces. Yeah. You know, it's what it makes you become. Yeah. Uh, well, Emmett and Michael are taking Vic's pots to him. And uh, Debbie wanted them out of her house. I think it's just another move of passive aggression or something like that from her. And Michael is so over this sibling feud. And you made a comment that Debbie and Emmett kind of have a similar storyline. They do. It's all about forgiveness. Needing to forgive and being okay Mm -hmm. with that person moving forward. And yeah. And dealing with their loneliness as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, well, they let themselves in and they find Uncle Vic asleep in his recliner. Only he is possibly not sleeping. So we see Michael go over to the diner with Emmett to talk to Debbie. And she's very busy, doesn't have time to stop and chat. He tells her he needs to talk to her about Uncle Vic. And uh, she says, well, he must have had a fit when you returned those pans. <laughs> she calls him a SOB. Um, well, when she finally pauses for a breath, Michael tells her that Uncle Vic is gone. He Girl. has passed away. And I kind of match Debbie's reaction. Like, I don't even know what to do with those words, with that news. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, was tough. 
Yeah, let's just take a moment of silence for Uncle Vic. I don't understand why that had to be a story arc. <laughs> I, I, you're laughing. I'm for real. Yeah. Like, no, I get it. I, I just, it. I mean, he was literally coming into his own. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why. He and was it's almost like from, us. from a writing standpoint, okay, well, then that's the perfect time to take a person. And then and that's how life really kind of happens. Yeah, People it is. always say, I'm going to turn my life around right when they're on the way of turning life around. You know, they're gone. Yeah, well, and I think the other point is like, you just never know when it's, you know, when you're going to go. And right. I think, yeah, it was a, I did talk to one of the guys about this choice in the story and I can't remember what he said, so I'm going to have to listen to it again. But yeah, so I get, you're always wanting to do things that can kind of shake and shift up the characters and the stories and stuff, but it's just, that was. I don't want Debbie sad all of season four going into season yeah, five. You yeah. know, like she's going to be sad. She said some really horrible things she to this did. man on her way out. She didn't say I was sorry. She said, fuck you. I don't plan on seeing you ever again. Mm -hmm. She that, got rid of the last thing that was at at her I, house of his. She, she got rid of. That to him. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like this is about to send her down. I don't want her in fucking rehab. You know, yeah. this is just crazy. It, insane. And also Vic to me represented so much strength and resilience. Like mm -hmm. he, he wasn't and he was that connection to an older generation yeah. and there was still so much story left for but that's just like real life you know how many people are there's still so much story left for them yeah but then they're uh. they're gone and so i i understand the the choice from a you know writing standpoint i hate the choice for a, an audience standpoint though you know i'm upset yeah, like, I'm hurt. I don't even know these people for. And now these these not even real people. These are characters. But in our minds, but, we yeah. treat them like we carry bro, them like they're real people. Yeah, I, I literally can't get over. It. Like I mean, I literally put my hand on your shoulder and was like, I just sat there. Yeah. I'm like, what? Just looking at you now, like mm -hmm. I just, I don't well, know. Because it still doesn't even feel like Michael said the words, but it still doesn't even feel like it's real. You know? I know. And so, mm, okay. Let's, oh, um, Lord. Vic, we're going to miss let's, you. Let's keep going, and then we'll deal with this later. Uh, Justin is having a beer over at, I think he's at Babylon, and I don't believe that Justin is 21 yet, and that clearly doesn't matter to the bartenders <laughs> at Babylon or Woody's, but right. I just well, wanted to mention for that. Years now, I'm just so. trying to lighten the mood here, yeah. you know? Uh, well, Justin looks down the bar, and look who we have here. It is Shane. Well, Justin goes over and asks him if he's into football, and Shane says he actually hates it. When Justin asks why he's watching it then, he says, so some hot guy will come over and ask me if I'm into football. Uh, and Justin tells him that he saw him cruising him hard at, at Babylon, and then he disappeared. And it was one of those emergencies that couldn't be helped. And uh, Shane comments on the friendliness of the guys in Pittsburgh. And, Just, and Justin says, it's a small town with a big heart. Yes. <laughs> Justin is so much smoother, I yeah. think, than Brian mm -hmm. Yeah, with his lines. Oh, well, he is about to go earn his trip to Ibiza the long, hard way when Brian shows up. And Shane recognizes him from the gym. And before Brian explains anything about his presence there, he clears up the whole crabs right. thing. And then uh, Justin tells Brian he's too late, that he won, and he can book their flights tomorrow. And Brian tells him the bet is off and that Uncle Vic is dead. Right. Well, Justin at first thinks that's a very low move to, you know, make him lose the, the wager. Uh, but he searches Brian's face and doesn't see a lie there. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I'm sure that's hard news for Brian to for Brian to receive. And I know it's hard news for him to deliver as well. Because you know, Justin, They're all family. They are. And Justin lived with them yeah. for a time. And um, yeah. And, and Brian grew up with them. So, mm -hmm. I mean, 
they're all family. They're all connected. When one hurts, they all hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, we see Michael and Emmett, and they're at Debbie's trying to help her in whatever way they can. And Rodney's also there, and so are Ben and Hunter. And Brian and Justin come in, and Justin immediately goes to extend his condolences to Debbie. And Brian hugs Michael and asks him what happened. Ben says that it was his heart. His cholesterol was really high because some of the medicine he was taking. And Hunter overhears this, and he says, I thought the meds were supposed to keep you alive, not kill you. It's probably scaring the hell yeah, out of him. Yeah, that's got to be know? scary because Ben says it doesn't always work that way. It's like, well, that is comforting to right. hear for someone who just got on these meds. Exactly. But um, that's why he should tell Hunter also, that's why we're in the gym as heavy as we that's are. That's why we take every, yeah. you know, we come at health from all, in very holistic mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, from all different angles. Um, well, Rodney says that he thought they'd have more time. So did I, Rodney. I'm right there with you. And Emmett agrees they should have been together a lot longer. He says it's tragic. And Brian says, well, Hamlet is tragic and platform shoes are tragic. But he says that Vic was on his deathbed four years ago and all of this was gravy. And Vic knew that. And Debbie, who's been mostly numb since finding out, she's kind of like, now what now? What'd you say? And Brian says going this way, it could have been a lot worse. And if you ask me, he was he was lucky. And Debbie slaps him harder than she's ever slapped Michael ever. for that. And she says, nobody asked you, who are you to decide how long he should have lived? And Brian's like, well, the truth hurts, which is very true. I um, believe Vic would have agreed with Brian. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that he would have said. Yeah. Period. Well, Debbie says, get out of my house. And she looks, Vic- oh, don't you worry. We're going to talk about all this yeah. in a minute. But Debbie says, get him out of my house. And she looks, I mean, she's using a tone of voice we've never heard before. She looks angry. No, yeah. she's ready for war. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Justin follows Brian out and he tells her that Debbie is upset. Like, just say you're sorry. And I think Justin knows that Brian's probably hurt more emotionally than physically by mm-hmm. what just happened with him and Debbie and her throwing him out of her house and uh, not letting him be there with and for the family. And Brian says, well, the problem is that he's not sorry. And um, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, well, Melanie and Lindsay are walking up and they ask how Debbie's doing. And Brian says, you can't keep a good woman down. Well, Lindsay picks up on something in Brian leaving and just the way that he's acting, the way he's responding. And she asks if, if something happened. And Justin tells him to go in. They'll be there in a minute. And good on him for creating some space for, for Brian right now um, and not leaving him subject to Lindsay and all her, her well-meaning questions. And Brian says that he's not going back in. And when Justin asks where he's going, he tells Justin that he's that he's got a bet to win. It's interesting because Brian just canceled that bet an hour ago. Right. Um, well, Justin says, I can't believe you're thinking about sex at a time like this. And Brian says, at a time like this, it's exactly when you should be thinking about it before Thanks. you can't. And then he pulls Justin into a kiss. But Justin turns out of his grip and heads back into Debbie's house. And... I think Justin knows Brian and Brian basically just told him how he is not going to deal with this and that's not going to work for Justin. And so that's why he's like, he goes yeah. back in. I don't think he's choosing Debbie's side over Brian's No, anything, he's not. But, but he's choosing himself and like how he needs to grieve. Exactly. So, they literally just lost someone close to them. Yeah. So, I mean, they're all going to interpret it differently from, you know, and process it differently from each other and one another. But yeah, I mean, he probably just wanted, he expected a little more. Brian, but at the same time, he knows Brian doesn't deal with hurt and pain. He doesn't express it like that anyway. Yeah. Brian's going to work through his own way. Yeah. Well, now, scurry on back. Let's All right. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, okay. Before back. we get into the thing with Brian and Debbie, I do want to make a comment about something from Brian and Justin's exchange. Uh, I contend that Brian 
Brian's not thinking about sex at a time like this. And that's the problem. Like yeah. he does now he's like, okay, now I need something else to distract me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he was thinking about what happened in with Vic and then just what happened with Debbie. And so the fact that he's not thinking about sex at a time like this, that he's like, mm, let me go. Right. Yeah. Okay, go numb myself. Okay. True. Okay. Let's back up. So I think this is my opinion. I think Brian really thought he was offering words of comfort to Debbie. Like, I think he he wasn't laughing or being sarcastic or cynical. Like, he was trying to get them to see that Vic got four more years than he was, quote unquote, supposed to have. Yep. And they weren't years spent at the hospice. Like, he was home and then he was able to have these great times with his sister. Yep. And uh, he was able to defend his name and his honor in court. Yep. He started a business with, with a dear friend. He mm-hmm. found a life partner. And so it's like he, you know, all of this was gravy. You right, know? it was. It was yeah. the extras. And Brian also echoes something that I was thinking, like, I'm so glad we didn't have to watch Vic go through wasting and this slow, painful demise. You know, if if it was going to be something related to his positive status, I'm so glad it was something like this where he did go quickly and he didn't have to, you know, have this, you know, the other way that it could have been. Because uh, but Brian says it could have been worse, and that is true. It could have been way worse. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't even know how Paul died, but it sounded like he didn't. He was alone, cold in the hospice. You know. Yeah. Well, a lot of them would go and and spend. Godiva was at the hospice, right? And yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could have been this other thing that was way more drawn out. You know, way harder, way tougher. And if you look at Brian's face in that scene when he's talking to Debbie, he is very sincere. Yeah. And he's trying to to help her see this from a different angle. That might bring a little bit of perspective and comfort. Like just last episode, Lindsay praised Brian for having a remarkable ability to put things in perspective. And that's what Brian was trying to do. Like, I know that he loved Vic and I'm sure that teenage Brian loved hearing stories from mm-hmm. Uncle from Michael's gay uncle when he would come visit from New York and tell these tales that I could just imagine what Vic would come home and share with them when he'd visit Pittsburgh. Uh, and so I don't think he was trying to be cold or insensitive and again, I hear that I can hear the time and place arguments, but knowing what he was intending to say, I don't think that it was a. No, that was the perfect time to say yeah. that because he didn't mean to say anything bad. Yeah. He was saying we got four great extra years, bonus years from Vic. So we need to we need to think of and, those times. And let's and remember, not this, yeah. yeah, like I said, this could have been he could have gone way worse than right. this. Like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think time and place. In my opinion, apply. It doesn't apply yeah, here. It doesn't. Um, yeah. And it definitely doesn't justify the the reaction that we got from Debbie, you know, anyway. So I think for Brian, it might've been embarrassing, but I don't think that's what really stung. I think because he was trying to offer this to Debbie because he loves her and she not only slapped him, she kicked him out of her house. And for a person who was physically abused and emotionally neglected growing up, that had to cut very, very deep. Um, And he, he wanted to be there for Debbie and Michael and with the rest of them. And we know that he's got no problem getting ghosts if he don't want to be yeah. somewhere. Like he wanted to be there. And he went and saved Justin, which means he didn't know what Justin was. He went and hunted him down, yeah. found him, and brought him there. Yeah, you know? so that they could all be there together because he knew, he knew Justin would want to be there no matter what else right. he had going on in life. He knew he would want to be there. And I kind of think that this is a case of Debbie taking her anger out on the wrong person. As she always does, and she always chooses <laughs> yeah. Brian. I think, yeah, she he is all, it does seem like he is very often the target of her anger at times. She's the, he's that son that you know, she didn't ever like the father. You know, like, well, I say that he didn't leave, so she yeah. thought having a baby was going to keep the father, whatever the case. And every time she looked at him, <laughs> she see the baby daddy. So yeah. now she's upset. So he always has to deal with the yeah, yeah deal with the junk. Um, yeah, because I think that she's probably mad at herself, maybe 
And I think that she's probably a little mad at Vic for going before they got a chance to patch things yeah, up. Yeah, no, and she is. She's not at a place to process any of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what I suspect that's what's going on with her. And so Brian is leaving after being told to bounce and he's hurt, not physically, but emotionally. I think he's hurt. I mean, you just she just rejected him like he was trying to offer love and support. And that got shoved back in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when Justin goes out to follow him, he doesn't challenge Brian or question why he said what he said, because I think that he knew he could see what Brian meant. Right. Um, and but yeah, Debbie just wasn't going to receive it that way at the time. Rodney did kind of squint. Uh, when Brian said, you know, he got, he was lucky the way he went right. out, he was lucky. Rodney was kind of like, what? But, but Rodney doesn't know Brian. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see him misinterpreting Brian's intentions there. So when we see him walking off, he's like rubbing at his jaw. But I think that's more of a symbolic gesture, like, because he's hurt more emotionally than physically, right, like right. I said earlier. And so not just by what Debbie said and did, though that's a huge part of it, but I mean, he's mourning Vic's loss as well, mm-hmm. you know? And so. I think just like he's like rubbing at his jaw to try to soothe that pain. Now he's going to go find something to do to not soothe, but distract himself yeah, exactly. from all that other that other stuff. So that's why he's going and thinking about sex at a time like this. True. Um. Yeah, because he'd rather think about that than all and, this and the other, pain and the hurt. And, yeah, all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, then we see Michael in his old room and at Debbie's, and he's got a comic book in his hands there. And Ben finds him and tells him. Michael says that I was just taking a breather. Because Michael is mostly concerned about his mom right now. Before he can even try to make sense of how he's feeling, he wants to make sure that she's okay. And Ben says, yeah, well, Brian didn't help. And he calls him an insensitive prick. And Michael says, what you said, you know, the funny thing is Vic probably would have agreed with him. He says when Vic came back, they all thought he only had a few months to live. And they talked about how bad he looked. I mean, Debbie is always talking about what she had to do. How she nursed him back to health. Exactly. So... It could have been if he'd have gone back like that and gone through that whole process again, it would have been horrible. Right. And so he's like, yeah, that is true. What Brian said. And um, Michael says, yeah, whatever time he got was a gift. And he is a lot luckier than most. And Ben acknowledges the truth in that. But he says, yeah, but it wasn't Brian's place to shrug off his death. I still don't think he was shrugging it off. But Michael says uh, that's who he is. He shrugs off everything. Ben says, well, yeah, and you always defend him. That's who you are. It's like, Ben. Baby, you, you've been doing a lot. Yeah, it's wrong, wrong time, baby. You've wrong been, you've road. You've been doing a lot, man. And Michael says, "I don't need to be told how to respond or what to feel." And I'm so proud of him standing up for himself. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a phrase that a lot of people need to learn how to use. Um, n- like no one can tell you how to grieve or the way mm-hmm. to do it. So, quick personal story: we lost my grandmother a little over a year ago, and there's something that my mom has been doing. That I just really don't understand. It's, it's not bad, right? Um, or dangerous or anything like that. But I just really don't see the point in it. And so at first I was like, "Mom, why do you keep doing that?" Mm-hmm. But then I finally was like, "Hey, if this is how she wants to grieve her mother or mem- right. memorialize her mother, or whatever, like let her do it. Like right. it ain't hurt me. Exactly. Let her do it." Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I get that, and a lot of people need to remember that line for themselves and for other people. Like, hey, let me do it my way, right? And in my own time, like Absolutely. I don't need you to tell me how to do it. Thank uh, you, but no thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, Ben tells Michael that he only came up to offer his unconditional love and support and to let Michael know if there's anything he can do. And Michael cuts him off like, there he is. Uh, <laughs> Quick. Okay. Yeah, you can put everything else aside uh, because I'm not thinking about directors and movies right now. I only care about helping my mom get through this. Because, if she could ever get through. Yeah. If, she, if he can help her, because Ben has been acting real funky lately. 
and about this book yeah. stuff and the movie stuff. And then he goes on the whole you always defend Brian thing, which might be true, but uh, you sound like them other ones now. <laughs> but Michael is not in the mood for Ben's picking, his nah. picking right now. So it's like, put all that aside. You know, don't come picking arguments with me or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying to focus on helping my mom. So you can help me do that. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a knock over at Ted's apartment and it's nighttime and he's already in his cat's pajamas. Um, And it's Blake and he just came from a meeting and it was his turn to speak. And um, what he said was that even though it's been he's been clean for over two years and he's working hard to be a good counselor, he still feels like he failed. Because he has yet to make amends to the one person he should have a long time ago. Well, Ted offers up some stationery for Blake to write a letter. <laughs> and uh, Blake says he doesn't want to write a letter. He wants to do this. And he kisses Ted. Girl. Yeah. Now, I love Blake, but I'm only like, okay, my heart is cheering for this. But my head is like, ooh, I don't know. I mean, I wanted it to happen, you know, season one when we first got this. Or was it? Two? It was season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When this first kind of took off. But at this stage in the game, I still had hope that him and Emmett was going to come back together. Like, okay. I, you didn't have that hope? Well, because I don't know why, but they just like blew right past like, that. Like, it went crazy. Like Ted went right back into the like thing. Like yeah. facts. Um, but I, I mean, it does make me happy knowing that at least Ted is not lonely. We don't have to worry about him relapsing because he has someone who's been down that same struggle with him. Someone who is actually, that he trusts also. Um, someone that Ted helped get better and now he's paying it forward helping Ted get better you know mm-hmm. so I mean I kind of like this dynamic but damn I just wanted I wanted Emmett to be upset I wanted Ted to be crawling and begging after <laughs> him you know like I'm gonna make this right yeah I, fuck you a letter pit, cut that $5,000 check and then we'll be good yeah. how about that fuck that letter I want that check yeah. I want my $5,000 back so I can get my damn oven back so I can get <laughs> get my life back on track you know yeah what have these words gonna do for me yeah but well, I mean I think my only thing is because I'm worried, like, okay, well, this has to work out. Like, it has to work. Because, because if this worried, don't work, he's gonna, he's, is he's gonna Ted gone. strong enough? So I need to see some proof that he's strong enough right. in case this doesn't work out. And Ted, no, he is, cr- I mean, um, Blake is crossing the line. You do not yeah. mix business and pleasure like that. Yes, y'all had a relationship in the past before you became a counselor, before you became his sponsor. Right. You don't, you can't date, sponsors can't date any of yeah, the people well, there. Well, he should, well, maybe next episode we'll see him connecting Ted to a new sponsor and then he'll step out of that role. I don't know. They have to both be at a place where yeah. they've got their own individual support systems and then probably some right. support systems for And that's a down the line when you get down the steps, down the line. Yeah. Ted I mean, just Ted's got like out. two months off. Yeah, just got out. Yeah. Maybe you brand new. You got to crawl before you walk. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, back at Debbie's, Ben, Michael, and Hunter are leaving, but Emmett is on duty and he tells him not to worry. And I think sometimes God or fate or the universe puts things in place before you even know you need right. them because mm-hmm. Emmett moved in at the perfect time. He was already there before all this before happened. all this happened to be there, you know, to, to take care of Debbie. And he finds Debbie hiding in her room and she's all hugged out. And he's got some of Aunt Lula's sleeping potion, warm milk and honey, and just a little Xanax. <laughs> if, if I in case she needs some extra help, that's a little, a little, a little magic half, sprinkle, yeah. a little extra. Yeah. And <laughs> Debbie tells him to keep the pill, and Emmett says, "Well, it may calm you." And Debbie doesn't think she can be calmed after the way that she spoke to him. Like she says, I told him I didn't care if I ever saw him again. She says my last words to him were F you. 
I, Michelle, have lost a sibling and you do remember every detail of those last encounters of that last day. You you do remember that. And if it's something negative, that's going to play on a loop in your head oh. for a long time. Um, luckily, mine wasn't something negative, but still. Emmett says, you two were always fighting and he's just trying to like, hey, don't. That's OK. That's just part right. of y'all's relationship. Exactly. And Debbie says, yeah, and we always made up, but not this time. And we see Emmett go to his room, and I think Debbie's words resonated because he pulls out Ted's letter. And I don't even know what it says, but after all this, I'm just, like, emotionally wrung out, and I just wanted to, like, cry watching it. Yeah. Girl, I'm over here trying to keep it together right now. I know. Well, and part of me wanted to, like, hear the words on the the letter there, but it's less about the words, Mm -hmm. though they're important, but it's more about the gesture. Um, Yeah. So then we see Brian in the back room at Babylon with a jobber is what the person is called in the script. Oh, um, I love that. Yes, a, jobber. a jobber. Why can I come up with these little smart, <laughs> cute ass, sexy words? About that a blow jobber. Yeah, okay. Um, just a jobber, yeah. Okay. So he's and Brian is like totally checked out. Like I guess he's enjoying it, but he doesn't seem to really care. I, I think. I feel like he wasn't even enjoying it. Like yeah, for, he's just, one minute he like he was in pain for a minute, too. Yeah. Like he using teeth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Y'all know I get crazy. Uh, yeah, but you can just tell he's trying to feel nothing but that. And I think he's probably even having a hard time focusing on feeling that. Uh, now, the wall or backdrop behind them is giving me confessional vibes. I've right. never been inside a confessional, but in if the movies and TV shows are to be believed, which That's of course right. they are, right. they would never lie to us, then it looks like a confessional. And um, I don't know where they get with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But anyway, the jobber is revealed to be Shane. And when Shane is done, he asks about his performance, and Brian tells him that he always likes winning a bet. And so this was never about Shane anyway. Yeah, uh, but Shane's so stupid, he just gets right on over that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, uh, yeah, because I'm like, uh, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, like, um, but I think Shane had already peeped the situation when he saw the two of them interacting Together, earlier at, at the, the bar. bar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and clearly he knows that they were cool with it. So whatever. Um, plus, I don't really think Brian's in the best place right now. And so I'm not going to put too much value on anything he says here. Well, Shane compliments his uh, equipment, and Brian says, oh, thanks. It's the first time anyone's ever said that to me, ah. uh, which not true. Um, but, uh, okay, I'm going to take just two minutes to make a little stretch here. Go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> think about the situation. So he was just kicked out by the matriarch of their little family, uh-huh. the only woman he sees as a mother to mm-hmm. him. After trying to offer some perspective in an effort to comfort her, mm-hmm. and he immediately went looking for a trick after getting kicked out. And um, it hadn't been that long since they left. So maybe he had a feeling Shane might still be there. Right. Um, and Shane offers him that validation that Brian has been spending so much of his life looking for mm-hmm. and that he wasn't getting in these familial relationships. Like he wasn't getting that from the people who should have loved him and given that to him. Right. And so we know that when he was younger, he started getting that from men at, in back rooms mm-hmm. and men at the clubs. And so I kind of feel like this is accidentally reinforcing that. Like, he it tried did. to do something there. And it, it, it wasn't received tried, properly. Yeah, tried to offer some love or receive some mm-hmm. love there, and he and was shut down. And so, so he goes to He back. retreated to what he knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only praise or appreciation he's worthy of. And, uh, and so it's, uh, again, about him and his sexual prowess, like right. what he can offer with his body. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... That's his power, he feels yeah, like. Yeah, it, it does. And mm-hmm. so it kind of reinforces that kind of accidentally. Um, and it goes back to what Justin was saying earlier, like, do I feel like I'm unworthy of love? And that's why I have right. to keep doing these things. Like, 
I feel like I'm unworthy of receiving or giving love because when I try to give it, look what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And so anyway, <laughs> you can disregard that if you want, but let's move on quickly. Uh, so Shane also says there's something he wants to talk to Brian about and he gives Brian his business card. Uh, he's a doctor. I was like, damn, how did you, I was like, okay, you didn't research him. You a stalker or something? <laughs> you trying to get some advertisements? What's For up? Real? Yeah. Well, he I mean, tells him that he has a lump on his left testicle. Oh, damn. And he should have it checked out. The sooner, the better. And Girl. Now, here was Brian trying to escape dealing with death and feelings and fear and emotion. And he gets what could be life-threatening news. For, uh, could girl. be nothing, but you don't know until you know. And so he is in a state of complete and utter disbelief in shock. And I'm just thinking, no, thank you, Chris Folk. You know, that's too much emotional stuff for me in one episode. I'm and I done just want to say, episode. thank you, but no, uh, no. Yeah, I'm like, going to reject about three of these storylines. That and part. My power of denial <laughs> is so strong. So Strong. Cut off game. Strong. Okay. Yo, when we when when that they said that, I literally said, "I'm done with this damn episode." Yeah, like, I'm done. <laughs> right, like, shut it down. Shut this shit off now. I don't want to see no credits. I don't want to see nothing. I want to yeah. hear no music. I am done. Like y'all, y'all just know how to like. I mean, lay the shit off. I know. Like, oh my gosh. And I think, yeah. Well, we'll see. But um, you know, one thing people may be wondering why Justin or even Brian didn't notice this before, but um, when you aren't looking for something or right. expecting to find something. And when you don't really know what to look for, you're not going to, you're not going to see it. Uh, like my mom works in medicine and she can diagnose somebody from across the room because right. she knows what to look for. Exactly. And so this guy's a doctor. And so he knows what to feel for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, he felt it right. But I'm, I'm glad <laughs> he, he said that, you know, I'm glad he told him. Mm -hmm. um, but damn, like you go from getting the best head of your life to like, Oh, baby, well, I don't you know. know that it, if that was the best. Well, I mean, it wasn't the best. Head. Well, you go from getting some head, yeah. And then then they like, oh, yeah. Mm. By the way. Let me, let me, like, <laughs> let me wait with my lips right quick. Like, mm. <laughs> by the way, though, babe, uh -huh. you got a lump on your left knee. Yeah, come see me Monday morning yeah, at 9 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, just come see me and then I'll get it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and besides, this is Chris Folk and we're dealing with Brian Kenny. So where else is he going to find out about? So yeah. Of course, he's got to be in the back room. <laughs> yeah. but, for real, um, for real. Yeah, so... You know, this is all your fault because a couple episodes ago you said, well, you know, they always do like shift things up in the mid-season. And we know. are like right about mid-season. So you summoned this. Girl, so this is your fault. I didn't ask for this shit, though. They did too much. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was like, oh, like I'm worried. Like how are they going to switch it up? Because they always yeah. do this shit. Vic did. Potential cancer scare. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know. I know. Uh, Debbie depressed. I know. Like, I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. This was. A lot of stuff. A lot of real life. Um, yeah. Although this episode was way deep, I love when it's deep like this because too. it makes it so true to life. I mean, yeah. this is how we connect so deeply with those characters because we're going through the struggle that they're going they're through. They're telling such human stories, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. And that is what makes it connect. It makes mm -hmm. it stick to your bones and make you come back to this show that aired 20 years ago. Yep. Uh, because this is current today. These sorts of things. You see this today in your family or in your friends. And so someone knows someone that's like these characters. That yeah, that has gone through mm -hmm. something like this. And so, yeah, I do love I love the hard episodes, too, because if it was all just light and frilly and right. fluffy, like it you would it enjoy yeah, it. But then it just kind of roll off. Exactly. These when they do things like this, this it creates those moments in yeah. your life that you won't forget. And that, like you said, that's why we keep coming back. That's mm -hmm. why the show is still relevant. 
that's why we're still talking about it, and that's why we have a reboot coming out. So, uh, yeah. I mean, not without saying cast, but still. If a the reimagination. Show, yeah, a reimagination. Re there it is, is. That's the word I think they're using. A reimagining. But if, if this show didn't hit like it did hit, didn't, you know, break the ground like, like it did, even, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have any of that. This yeah, stuff well, even the now. L word. She yeah. credits Queer's Folk for... Trailblazing, made, setting yeah. it. They mm-hmm. set the tone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but man, it, it sucks to lose Uncle Vic. Um, yeah, that was We'll terrible. talk more about that later. I couldn't really deal with that today. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was 406. Yeah, girl, that was 406. I you can't decide if I want to see 407 or not. You know, normally we leave here and we're like, yeah, that was 406. Girl, I can't believe it. We're like, yeah. That was 406. That was the episode. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to do. Like, I really want to go drink something. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I need to go, go drink my sorrows away. Yeah. I don't In know. a responsible way. In a, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know your comments on the Debbie and Brian exchange. What do you think about that? And, um, yeah, keep it interactive, as we always say. And until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.